Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Mind League podcast. And I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How's everybody doing today? All right. Yourself? Things are okay. And um, the fact that today is World Milk Day, I think, makes it a little bit better. Milk Day? Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Yep. In 2001, the United Nations designated June 1st as Milk Day to, quote, uh, focus attention on milk and raise awareness of dairy's part in healthy diets, responsible fruit production, and supporting the livelihoods and communities of people. So happy, happy World Milk Day, everybody. Got milk? Yeah. Uh, so outside of just like plain old drinking milk, Cheese is probably the best way uh, to consume milk. So, of the hundreds and, uh, of different kinds of cheese out there, what are we going to promote, extend, or trade? Just of just everything. The list is unlimited here. Oh, that's challenging. It is. I traded cottage cheese because cottage cheese yeah. is gross. I don't like goat cheese either. Huh. I like a good Gouda. 
that's the good stuff. So I, I, I'm going to bust out the Lucas is a pretentious douche hat, as usual, you know. Okay. And one of my big hobbies is food, so I, I've eaten a lot of, like, fancy cheese. You know, you know I should probably, like, not, not go crazy here and just do normal cheese. <laughs> uh, I'll extend Parmesan, real Parmesan. Parmigiano Reggiano, the real shit, not the right, not American craft. knockoff version. Uh, if you use that, you're not in a real, not a real Italian. Um, extend blue cheese, because blue cheese is just awesome. Trade. Yeah, I'm gonna go with, I agree with you on the cottage cheese. Cottage cheese kinda sucks. Yeah, it's just pretty gross. Uh, yeah, trade cottage cheese, uh, extend pepper jack, promote mm-hmm. mozzarella. Oh, yeah. Mozzarella, uh... Yeah, I promoted mozzarella because it's like the everyman's cheese. You can just put it on everything, and it just makes everything better. And it's just, you know, I, I wrote that it's it's a Hall of Famer that basically gets in because of good stats consistently, but, you know, <laughs> doesn't really have high peaks. Is is mozzarella the Derek Jeter of cheese in that it's long? It has a long career, but it's vastly overrated, uh, while still being worthy of the Hall of Fame. I don't know if mozzarella is overrated, but it is. It, it isn't the end all be all cheeses. It's a very yeah. solid contributor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you definitely that, that, want. It sounds like we're describing salads, Derek man. Jeter. <laughs> it doesn't get you to the World Series, but it helps. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So, has no range to its left, unfortunately. <laughs> if you have a piece of chicken, like, all right, chicken is pretty good by itself. But if it's chicken parmesan, then you got something going, you know? Chicken what color is fine. <laughs> why, why is it called parmesan when most of the cheese is mozzarella? It doesn't make any sense. It just... It I think chicken mozzarella sounds worse. It only sounds worse because you're used to hearing chicken parm, though. <laughs> That's true, though. <laughs> But, like, if, if someone was like, here's a chicken mozzarella sandwich, I'd be like, what? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so, it, it, weirdly enough, that one has more Parmesan than mozzarella, you know, just to <laughs> keep you on your toes. But, yeah, I didn't really know what to extend. Like, I want to say a, a really nice, sharp, smelly provolone. But, I don't know. You get, like, have... smoked provolone, which is really Yeah, fun. that is true. I just can't think of the biggest cheese takes that I have. I don't like American yeah, cheese. Like, <laughs> is that a strong take? I don't really think so. I, I, do they even have American cheese that's not like the Kraft like, kind yeah, of? Yeah, that's not like fancy American cheese. Yeah, but yeah. hey, before we before we like uh, shit on American cheese, it is the ultimate melting cheese. That's true. not not gonna lie. I mean, when when you have nachos, you don't want you know. Anything but that chemical mix on it. Now, you can actually Americanize other cheeses if you melt it down, mix it with uh, a little bit of gelatin and uh, uh, dehydrated milk, and then re-solidify it. It'll then melt like American cheese. So you can Americanify any cheese, really, but that's a lot of work. Sometimes I just want to make a hamburger, and I'm going to slap some yellow American on it because it's just it's just the answer. Yeah, I mean – yeah. 
a, if you a, don't... a grilled cheese if you're if you're making it at home. Oh, grilled cheese. Yeah. There are definitely things that the craft singles are useful for. Yes. I'm not sure. going to necessarily find it in a, a gourmet di- a gourmet restaurant or nothing like that, but you know. I mean, not with that attitude. <laughs> in any context where you're not melting it, craft is awful. But yeah, as soon yeah. as we start talking about like melting cheese, craft singles, pretty good. All right, so hopefully um, we have offended no one with our cheese takes. Uh, Steve, you know we've offended at least someone with our cheese takes. <laughs> cheese steaks? Takes? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Listen, I've gone to Gino's and I've gone to, what's the other one in Philly? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I only know Gino's. I don't yeah. know, but I want to change my trade now from cottage cheese to cheese whiz because cheese whiz is disgusting. Get that mm. shit out of here. Is that cheese though? Like it's like, cheese product. Yes, That's it's true. cheese of the Z. Yeah. <laughs> it's like YooHoo is chocolate milk drink. <laughs> <laughs> but the best Philly cheesesteak I've ever had was actually at CVP. Stadium. Really? Really? Yeah, That's like interesting. Geno's and, and the other ones, Mike's maybe, I don't know, but they were okay, but yeah, I don't know. It's probably because that food stand there probably had years and years and years of grease just like <laughs> growing and multiplying and, and whatever. That just kind of helps, you know? The real good shit right there. Flavor it's, complexity. Exactly. Flavor complexity. Exactly. All right, so this week uh, we'll head over to Asia quickly and update everyone on the CPBL and KBO. First, Taiwan, the Uni Lions, they went 2-2, two and two, and that makes them 12-18 and 18 on the year. And the pitcher of the week was knuckleballer Ryan Fierbent. He pitched six innings and allowed one unearned run, gave up three hits, walked the batter, and struck out two. And the hitter of the week was Chi Hian Chen, who was 10 for 17 with two RBIs, two walks, and two strikeouts. So not a lot of uh, power there, but, I mean, his on-base percentage was almost 500, which is pretty good. Um, He'll take it. Yeah, he he was drafted in 2016. Um, he was a kind of a... Uh, Big name for the Uni Lions, their first round selection, and um, Chen, they kind of formed a popular duo because they were exciting players, they were good looking, the the team kind of cashed in on that marketability and everything like that. Um, one reason why Chen is as good of a player as he is, is why he's as good of a hitter as he is, is he actually, um, he is from Taiwan, but he went to high school in Japan, oh. and he... he did not play in the NPB. He was he entered into the draft, the NPP draft in 2012, which is the same year that uh, Shohei Otani and Shintaro Fujinami would, were selected. But Chen went undrafted, so he went back to Taiwan, and that is, um, you know, where he spent his formative years in in Japan. So Chen is basically, or was I should say, the Uni Lions starting shortstop. Um, he was a pretty good hitter, but he was not a very good fielder. Um, they moved him into the outfield in 2019. Uh, the shift didn't really last too long, 
last season because there were injuries to other guys, so they had to shuffle things around. And he basically broke his wrist, and he only played in 20 games for the entire season. Uh, but I do want to say, hold on, that okay. it always makes me laugh that you're the excuse to like put people in the outfield is the dude can't field. So it's just like go out there, like just go out there, kid. <laughs> Figure it out. It always makes me laugh how like outfield defense is actually kind of important, but also it's the place where you stick the the people who can't field. It it always made me laugh. I mean, it's kind of difficult to get information, unfortunately, on a lot of these guys in Taiwan because the CPBL doesn't really have too much in English. So, I mean, I'm basically yeah, relying hard, on yeah. on Mandarin pages that are being translated um, by Google. So I don't know what exactly his problems were. I just know that he made a lot of errors to the point that they're literally just like, all right, you can't be here no more. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop I mean, missing the ball. Yeah, but he is like a 350 hitter, and he has like 10 to 15 home run power and like 20 stolen base, you know, speed. So that, you know, I mean, context is also important. The better players are going to hit oh, very sure. well. Sure, but, yeah. you know, he's a good enough guy that you want to definitely keep the bat in the lineup there. And now we'll head over to South Korea. And the LG Twins, they went 5-1 and one for the week. And they are 15 and 7 on the year. The pitcher of the week was Casey Kelly. He went six innings. He did not allow a run in those six innings. He, um, allowed four hits. He walked three and he struck out 10. Now that's a good week by yep. any standard. And the hitter of the week is Roberto Ramos. And he went nine for 23 with three home runs, nine RBI, a walk, and five strikeouts. Um, we've covered he both of these guys. So hard. Yeah, and we've covered them both already, so I'm not going to really go into much detail about either one, but Ramos is currently leading the league in home runs with 10. So there's, I couldn't, again, same thing, the KBO, you know, it is difficult. Their English outreach is a little bit better than the CPBL, but it's still pretty far behind the NPB. I was not able to actually find who currently holds the single season home run record in Korea. Um, I would assume that it's Eric Thames, but I don't know for certain. I but, think it is like just off the top of my head, but I'm not, I don't want to get quoted on that. But like, yeah, I, I started looking into it. I couldn't find any one thing that said that he specifically was, but yeah. as, as far as like the couple of years that I started looking back, Thames is. 53 homers, I think it was, in his one crazy year. I think that's the record, but not really sure. But um, in theory, Lee, Ramos... Lee Sung Yup had 56 in a year. Oh, uh, well, there you go. 2003. Record was broken by... Uh, oh, Laudemir... Oh, that was with Japan, though. That's Japan. Japan. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. This has the Asian home run record. I don't know why they have all Asia lumped into one pool here. Because that's how a lot of people work, unfortunately. Uh, I guess. But Korea, the record is at least 56. Yeah, but Ramos in theory has a shot. I mean, he's up to 10 yeah. in a month. So we will see. And yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely uh, when he swings, he gives it his all. All right. Um, so we'll cover a little bit of news of what's going on now. And... 
you know, there's always turnover from year to year in the minor leagues, and guys at all levels get released for a variety of reasons, and they're replaced by minor league free agents and guys getting promoted from below and all that kind of stuff. And as we all know, early in the week, the Mets released a boatload of players, about 40 guys in all, and it's a bit more than the usual dump of players that they do. Uh, it's about twice as many, really. Um, overall, no players that really had major league upside got released. A lot of the guys were marginal guys at the bottom, and then a bunch of like upper level kind of veterans that were signed for one year deals for for um, reinforcing Bingo with Syracuse. And I've seen pretty much every one of the guys that, that they released with the exception of some of those higher level for agent dudes. Um, really the only notable name of that bunch is really Jake Simon, who is a, a prep left-hander from 2015. And even then you would have to really kind of squint to see much. The, uh, the fastball hovered around 90 with a little bit of sink. Uh, he had a curveball. That was a strikeout pitch. Command wasn't really great. So best case scenario, he's like a seventh inning, low leverage reliever kind of person. But even that, I think, is like a, a really long shot and and pretty unlikely. Um, so, you know, it, it sucks that the Mets were releasing people in the middle of the pandemic. Typical yeah. Mets move. Yeah. But I think I think the Twins were the only team that weren't that I saw anyway that didn't release anyone. Mariners? Oh, or the Mariners. I think the Royals. No, the oh, Royals. No, the Royals because Dave Moore had a long speech that was going You're around. Right, yeah. around. I remember that now. Yeah. But like but most in, teams are just like gutting their minor league system. Yeah, the, the, the Mets. Like, they weren't the only ones. Uh, I'm wrong about the Mariners. Sorry, they did release minor leaguers. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody in the entire league is letting go of a suspiciously large amount of minor leaguers. And that pretty much puts a bow on the fact that, A, there's not going to be a season in 2020 because you can't play a season if you don't got the players. Um, But then, again, looking forward to next year now, they're going to be contracting 40 teams, and it makes it a lot easier to do that when you start thinning out the ranks, you know, months ahead of times. You release 40 guys now, you release another 40 guys between now and, like, next winter, and lo and behold, that's, like, two teams worth of players. And, wow, most most... Systems just happen to be getting rid of two teams in their systems. What a coincidence, right? Yeah, quite okay. quite, yeah. quite suspicious. Hmm. Nothing, nothing fishy there. Move along. No, not at all. Well, Christ. I mean, honestly, Tebo might actually be better than the majority of those names that they did release. I absolutely thought it was curtains for him, though, when they mm-hmm. when they were announcing the that the Mets were cutting people. I just figured that it was that was going to be the end of it. Just because, yeah, like that's that's the type of player that gets released now. The on the older side, like Tebow's not going to be a major league caliber hitter. It's too late for that, you know. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't pretend that Tim Tebow is just another. <laughs> yeah, sure, but like, yeah, that's you know. true. <laughs> hey, I mean, in, in his defense, he he, it's been a. I mean, honestly, you got to look at his stats as an incredible success story. Like, he's, no, he's fine, you know. On his he's own right, he's he'll play, play better than he deserves. He's just not like any other minor league player, exactly. you know, in he's organized baseball. Better. He's yeah. way better than he has any right to be. Yeah, that's the, absolutely. 
Andrew Church, who was one of the guys released, released a kind of uh, long diatribe on his Instagram, and he went after Tebow without naming names. And that is the one thing that I think he was a little out of line about, is that it's not Tebow's fault that he is who he is and that the Mets are willing to sign him for more money than pretty much anyone else on the major league, uh, excuse me, on a minor league team is going to be making. But he, you know, he, he has performed okay, better than expectations. I mean, it, when he was with Binghamton in 2018, he was a legit, what was he, like a, a 270 hitter? I mean, yeah. He's so, like a, a league average hitter at every level until AAA. Yeah. So we'll give him his, his props and, you know, whatever. I thought it was absolutely going to be Michael Jordan esque from Tebow. Like, oh, yeah. Just, just looking totally lost at the plate. And he really wasn't until AAA, and I mean, some people don't make it that far anyway. Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, it's... like some some people who have who played baseball from high school and like actually play it as their dream job and not doing it after football. It makes you wonder what he could have been if he. Oh, was he absolutely could a, have a been baseball a player. Major, yeah, I think he could have actually been a major league player if this is any indication. <laughs> Definitely got to stick him in the outfield though, because that defense. Oh God! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, but all that segues well to an email that we got a few weeks ago. Um, I knew that we were going to be talking about this, so I waited. So we got an email from Mr. Mark Wyman. And Mark said, quote, love the podcast. I have a comment to add about your dialogue this week on impending demise of the Rumble Pony and the Mets Alliance. I was a little surprised that you cited attendance as the driver for Binghamton as versus Brooklyn, or especially Syracuse being that the team being the team that gets dropped. If the Wilpons manage to sell the Mets, they've previously indicated they may not, may not sell their real estate and other interests in the minor league teams. What do Brooklyn and Syracuse have in common that Binghamton doesn't? Sterling equities. I have no bone to pick with the fine people of Syracuse, However, if I was Mr. or Mrs. Future Mets owner, I'd be tempted to drop Syracuse and keep Binghamton. So the reason why Binghamton is basically the odd man out is just, I mean, really it does come down to not, I, it, it doesn't come down, I think, to the shares or extraneous surrounding things that the Wilpons and or other Mets owners have in in the teams or the area. I think it just is the fact that Binghamton is just not a money drawer. Um, we know that Brooklyn is, and that is the team that's going to be kept in everything. So you got to look at you know the leagues and everything that's going to be contracted. Um, it's short A and rookie level. So you have the Cyclones and Kingsport Mets. Obviously, you know, the Cyclones are the big darling because Kingsport, you know, it's not much is going down. <laughs> I'll yeah, be honest okay. there. 
And, and of course, you know, it is owned by the Wilpons, so that kind of is going to always protect them. But, you know, uh, the Cyclones, they're in Brooklyn. So you got to look at the other teams that, you know, if you're going to be shuffling affiliates, you got to look at the other teams. Columbia is down in South Carolina, so you're not going to make Brooklyn part of the South Atlantic League. Even though Lakewood is, and Lakewood isn't that far, but it is kind of like the super annoying outlier in terms of this, the South Atlantic League stuff. Um, St. Lucie, they're down in Florida. You know, so you're not replacing the Florida State League team with a team in Brooklyn. And obviously, they're based in the spring training complex, so, I mean, that's double protection there. And also owned by the And Wolves. also owns, right, exactly. So, Binghamton, you know, and Syracuse are the two that are left, and they are the two that are in the area. So you can conceivably swap either one with Brooklyn. Fine. At the end of the day, it just, Syracuse is owned by the team already, by the Wilpons. It has always been a solid draw. Um, Binghamton, on the other hand, has not. They've been last place in attendance in the Eastern League for like nine years straight, and they've been either last or second to last for like 15 years straight. Yeah. So, I mean, it's unfortunate for Binghamton as a team, as a city, um, but it just makes more sense that they are the ones that are done away with. And no, this ultimately seems like a logistical thing, right? Where it's just not going to be feasible to have three entire minor leagues. Uh, that's not like you can't have three separate leagues that are that geographically concentric, right? Like you're not going to be able to have a league, a triple A league for your Syracuse team and a double A league for your Brooklyn team and then a single A league for your league for your Binghamton team. No, like that's they're never gonna overlap that much. Yeah, it's just it it just makes more statistical not statistical, but like you're saying, it just makes more sense that, you know, because of everything where everything is located and who's around and everything, they're just Binghamton, they find themselves the odd man out. Yeah, they always felt like the one that would be going if this would happen. And it's We're- funny. I mean, not. I don't know if it's funny or just whatever, ironic, but Binghamton does, uh, of all of the teams that they have currently in the system, outside of, of um, well, maybe also including Kingsport, but Binghamton has the longest and strongest relationship with the Mets as yeah. their farm system, yeah. farm team. And Columbia is since 2016, and Syracuse is since last season, and St. Lucie, obviously, they own St. Lucie, so... But it's just it's just unfortunate where Binghamton is and and where how everything works out between them. But at the end of the day, I'm a Brooklyn partisan, and there's no way that Brooklyn is going. So if if you have to sacrifice Binghamton, then unfortunately, so be it. No team should be contracted, but we are uh, unfortunately past that part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I, I mildly. Feel like I feel like Brooklyn is going to be the big one now. Like, mm-hmm. like they couldn't really make it the big minor league team because it's the Penn League and it's so far away from the majors. Like, you just can't really put that type of marketing into it. But now that it'll be, like, I think it'll be double A, right? Like, yes. it's just going to be, like, Brooklyn stuff all over the place, I feel, now. Like, they're really going to push it as their big thing. Because yeah. Because it's the Cyclones and it's in Brooklyn and baseball's back in Brooklyn. 
still is a thing that is a was a such a big thing and it was such a big deal when the team got announced and stuff. Talk about being on a roller coaster as a prospect. You're like in a low, you're you're in whatever the instruct league is, and then you're in single A, and then you get to do, double A, and suddenly you're in the city. You're like, oh wow, this is awesome in the city. Then you go to AAA and you're back out in Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> then you get called up and you're back in the city. <laughs> For real, real cult, real culture roller coaster there. Definitely, yeah. So I think all of this now brings up the question of pandemic aside, how much does it actually cost to run? a minor league system as things stand right now. Because Major League Baseball is citing all kinds of things, like citing support facilities and long road trips and whatever it is as a reason to get all, rid of all these teams. But at the end of the day, we know it's all it's all about the money. Yeah. So how much money are they actually spending on everything? And the great minds at from Complex to Queens actually sat down and calculated everything, and we have a pretty good uh, grasp, I guess, on things. So at the rookie level, you have guys that are getting paid basically just $290 a week. You have a maximum of 35 players, so that comes out to $10,000, $10,150 a week. You have a 10-week season, so for the entire team, for the entire year, it's just a shade over $100,000 per season. Kingsport, same thing. They're getting paid the same amount of money, same amount of players. Their season is another week longer. So they are at 111000 Short A, the Brooklyn Cyclones, again, same thing, same amount of players, same pay, and they just have a 12-week season now, a couple of extra weeks. They were at one twenty. Uh, 120,000 per season. We go to low A now. They're still making that $290 a week, but they, their season is 23 weeks as opposed to, you know, 10, 11, or 12. So for the entire Columbia, uh, entire Columbia Fireflies team, it's 230,000 per season. High A, that same $290, but you have 25 players maximum now. 23-week season, it is $166,000. Double-A players, they got a big raise. They're making $350 a week this season. You have your 25-man roster and your 23-week season. It is just a little bit over $200,000 for the entire season. Triple-A now, they're making the big bucks. It's a $502, $502 per week for 23-week season. Your 25-man roster, it comes out to $288,000. All in all, for just pay for every single player in the system, and I'm not counting DSL teams because given that they're playing in the Dominican Republic, you have very different rules, and I don't know what they are off the top of my head. But for the domestic leagues now, for the entire season, for every single player, it comes out to one million two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. That's nothing. That's nothing. We'll go to food because the team supplies food. They have everybody gets a per diem of twenty-five dollars a day. Uh, excuse me, twenty dollars when they're on road games. 
adding everything up, it comes out to be $226,000 that you're spending on food costs on away games. Home games, they provide a spread of food. The spread of food is not particularly great. Um, based on what other players in the past have said are common things, I just quickly, you know, went on, on Costco, Walmart kind of websites to just find approximate prices for similar, similar products. So you have a big jug of peanut butter. You have some bread. You have some pasta. You have a little deli platter, meat platter kind of thing. You get some fruits and vegetables. You get some go-gurts. You got some Nature Valley Go-Gurt. bar things. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about go-gurt. Does not come out to much money. Uh, it comes out to be $240,000 to supply everybody with food and things of that nature. So, all in all, counting pay and food and all those kinds of things, it, it takes about $1.4 million. Let's add in another million dollars, let's say, for miscellaneous equipment, buses, you know, coaches. subsidized coaches, subsidized parts of hotel costs for the players, things of that nature. Comes out to, let's, let's even round up, and it comes out to $2.5 million to have a fully paid minor league system with guys that are being fed in the crappy way that they're fed now and given very poor or no equipment and no help with hotels and housing and things of that nature. $2.5 million. How much is one war like last season? Like $9 million? Somewhere, depending on your who you go to, somewhere between 8 and $10 million. Right. So literally, if you have a single... I mean, we've said this before, but the math... Checks out. Checks out even more so. Yeah, it's it's lower than I thought to be yeah. honest. Here like, here are some guys who signed for around 2.5 million dollars last offseason. Michael Franco, 300-year-old Tyler Clifford, 300-year-old and also injured Rich Hill, 300-year-old Hunter Pence, Jose Iglesias, Stephen Vo. Like I mean like Iglesias is the one out of all those that I'd be like Okay, good job, Mets. <laughs> right, all, all these guys got three million. <laughs> Brandon Kinsler got three point two five. Brock Holt got three point two five. Fucking Michael Walker, why did we sign him again? Um, we've kind of we've kind of used uh, our base unit as Alejandro de Azas. So how many de Azas? <laughs> yeah, de Azas got seven point two five. Right, so oh. for the cost oh, of God, less than happen. half an Alejandro de Aza. I forgot it was that high. Can, can I can I throw in another note here, Steve? Go ahead. Real quick. If you have six or – let's just call it six minor league teams, and you want to pay everyone on the 25-man roster $40,000 a year, so you know a, a real living wage, actually, that's $6 million. Yeah. Which is still nothing. Yeah. How much did the Mets commit to Darno last year before unceremoniously like – yeah. I'll check. So roughly, roughly two minor league se- season systems. Travis Darno. Sport track is being slow. 
what he's earning this year. I, I definitely know how to use this website and have used it frequently <laughs> over the past decade. Um, it's just so like easy for these teams to keep everyone and yeah. just have full minor yeah. leagues, and they just don't. And it's not like cutting minor leagues is going to have the current the, the minor league teams and players left over get better stuff. Like, oh. they're also still going to get like not paid enough and get food that isn't good enough and all that stuff while right, cutting. But- like it's not like you're doing this into in order to make the experience better anyway. You're just doing no. it, and the experience is still going to be crappy for all these players. They're basically giving for next season. Before we knew about all of these cuts and everything, when Major League Baseball pledged that they were going to be raising the the prices that minor leaguers got, they're just basically marginal raises. The guys yeah. that were getting two ninety are now going to get like three twenty or something like that. Which like I mean, it that'll pays, help, it but yeah. it's not still not enough to for a do to live on. No. So like you're just you're you're gutting the talent pool and you're still not paying the current the, the talent pool left over enough to live on their own anyway. So Let, let's just, also be clear, right? Like we are not geniuses, we are not some financial wizards. Um and major league front offices have a lot of smart people working in them. I am like willing to bet a significant sum of money that in every front office except for like the Royals or something who's like the worst analytical team now for me to make this joke the Mets uh, <laughs> the Mets <laughs> <laughs> shit you might actually be right uh is the sad part about that but but point being literally any schmuck could do this Figure out, alright, if we wanted to provide all resources and living wages, it would cost one major league reliever, which means we need to get one extra war of value out of, you know, I don't know, actually investing in the minor leagues, which is a laughable trade-off. And you know everyone has done this analysis and come to the same conclusion, but no one is doing it. Meaning the only po- the only possible reason for them not to be doing it is that there's just league wide collusion to say mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't fucking do this. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You, you don't pay this finally. Uh, uh, uh. We don't we we don't do that here. I'm sure that even if a team wants to, like you were saying, like they would be just blackballed by their Absolutely. fellow owners if they actually because everyone looks terrible then. Like mm-hmm. like if the Rays, for example, were like. Ah, screw it. We're gonna we're gonna actually make our minor league system really good. Then every other team is gonna hate them, yep. <laughs> and that's it for them. It's curtains for all of it, like trading yep. and like yep. everything. Think about so, the preferential treatment you'd get from from minor league free agents, and maybe even from draft picks. Maybe draft picks are willing to get a smaller signing bonus from you because you actually you know take care of them as a minor leaguer. Yeah, like all all, all these um. Is that an externality? I'm not an economist, so if that's not what an externality is, forgive me. But like, side benefits of this—it's it, not—it's not a complicated analysis at all. It seems obvious that every that like every team should be doing this, so there has to be something nefarious. Absolutely. It's just such a silly thing to be nefarious over. Like, I get. I know. Not, not that I'm defending the practice or, or siding with ownership, but I understand why they're nefarious about free agency contracts and, and years of team control. And like, that's a significant, they're saving significant amounts of money there. That, 
makes sense from a selfish standpoint. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. It literally is pennies and nickels. Yeah. When you are worth billions of dollars. You don't you don't want to pay Manny Machado four hundred million dollars. Alright, I think you're a cheapskate, but I I can at least fathom where you're coming from. You don't want to make sure your minor leagues are three orders of magnitude better than anyone else for eight million extra bucks. What? Yeah. Hmm. Like not too long ago, that's where the cheap teams saw the most value. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it investing in, you know, player amateur talent because it's cheap and you can get a lot of it for comparatively nothing. <laughs> and when it's good, it's cheap in the majors too. Like even the most yeah, expensive. Yeah, that's where your cost savings are. Yeah. Even even the most expensive dude in arbitration is still making like, I, way I don't less. Have a fi- yeah, I don't have a finance degree, but I understand enough about ROI to <laughs> understand that if you're investing next to nothing in something and the payoff is potentially very big, you know, that's generally what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's generally a good practice there. Like, who who is a one-war player last year? Uh, Darlin Castro was like 1.3 war. Need to spit out a Starlin Castro every once in a while. Uh, Yolmer Sanchez. Like these, these aren't, it's not like you need to produce Starlo, like Jeff McNeil is a minor league development success story, but you don't need that for this to pay for itself. You need someone who's mm-hmm. like, Rugden Odor level good. Rugden Odor yeah. is not good. Right, that's it. It's you, you. You don't need a guy to turn into a star for everything to then the math to work and so forth. You literally just need a guy to play in the major leagues for a couple of games to to justify everything. Like if you could turn your one bench, like like instead of paying five million, six million for that bench dude who mm-hmm. isn't gonna play for you, you just then it turns into the guy you call up from AAA. <laughs> and then, like, you're saving the money that you invested in the minor league system as a whole. Right, that's another thing. Because, they... because, like, you're paying half a million dollars or whatever the minimum is. I don't remember what it is right. exactly offhand. To, like, to your utility player instead of it being, like, I have to play pay Brock Holt $4 million. And sure, maybe, like, the Brock Holts of the world don't get good free agency stuff after that. And that also sucks. But that's also a part of free agency in general being bad and waiting too long to get there. Right. The teams want to keep their major league costs down. Well, you know, with investing in your minor league system and having guys that will come up and make the major league minimum for however long is a good way of doing that. And if you have guys that are coming up and are actually producing well, then you can keep that going for longer. Yeah. Just to go back to our to our Alejandro de Azza unit, so you want a one-war bench bat in the outfield? Well, you need to develop a Chad Pinder, an Adam Engel, Ben Gamble, Adam Hazley, Jake Cave. This isn't a significant player. You just need one extra of this guy. Percy. I literally did not know any of those names except for Ben Gamble. Exactly. Like, it's a joke how easy this is to pay for itself. And the second you get one extra player that's actually a star, you pay for it for a a 15-year stretch. Right, it's just icing on the cake. Yep. And we, I mean, this is without discussing, like, how 
middle or seventh inning relief guys are not properly valued by war and you develop one extra of those and you've probably paid for it given how much free agent relievers cost. Mm-hmm. It's just very short-sighted, but that that's, they know that, but they're just looking at the, the immediate bottom line. Unfortunately is what is, is what matters most. Yeah. It's so short-sighted. All of the, all of the decisions that MLB owners make, which is, yeah. it, it's just like backwards to me, like how you would want to have, why would Th- you run? Thomas, are you telling me that the team, the, the league that hasn't been able to solve the issue <laughs> of, uh, uh, blackout, uh, on that uh, blackout broadcast for the past decade <laughs> is short- ha- isn't exactly, <laughs> lo- doesn't have a good long-term worldview? That, that's true, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm shocked by this revelation. Shocked and appalled by, by it. Gambling in this institution? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're winning, sir. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it just, it's just silly from a, from a fan's perspective, especially. But even when you look at it in a business way, it just, it, it, if you're interested in anything except cutting down an immediate short term expenses, then it's just silly. Yeah. And but I'm pretty sure other... I've said this before, but on the player side, like how many minor leaguers just like quit because it wasn't financially worth it to keep trying mm-hmm. so like yeah. how many great players could we have potentially have lost over the years that dudes yeah. who were just like i can't afford to do this anymore or like i got hurt and now i'm like the facilities aren't good enough for me to get back or whatever it is you know so like even if we lost one player to that over the how many years minor league free agency has been my, the minor league system's been the way it is that's too many you know mm-hmm. I mean, look at a guy who, you know, he, he never quit or nothing like that, but look at a guy like Dom Smith, who only recently has become a useful contributor on the major league team. And it's because, you know, he had his issues that got better addressed with, you know, more money and status as a major leaguer and everything like that. But yeah, for sure. Imagine if that had been taken care of early in his career, if he had been, you know, gotten his, special CPAP machine or whatever it was when he was, you know... Or, or, or just getting his diet under control, right? right? And, like, and diet control and everything early, you know, as an 18-year-old instead of a, a 22 or whatever, 23-year-old he is now. Yeah. His uh, whole might be different for him, too. That's a good point. Uh, I'm definitely of the opinion that it's okay to, to criticize me, like professional athletes for not being in shape. But it's hard when you know that these minor leaguers have no resources provided to them. Mm-hmm. And the second he's in the major league clubhouse, he's, oh, look, he lost 40 pounds. Hmm. Might be a correlation there, guys. Yeah. It's just so expensive to not, like, to eat well, which yeah. is a whole other problem, but which is a non-baseball problem. <laughs> but, yeah, um, exactly. But, like, when, when you make that little, you're almost forced to have a bad diet because, mm-hmm. like, that's the food that's cheap. Yeah. I mean, if you're given $20 per day, you know, or, or excuse me, $20 per, per game when you're on the road, spending three meals, $20 is, you know, doesn't go really that far. No, like you have to eat like crap. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, straight up, gotta... like, like you, you're not eating three meals if you're going to eat like healthy. You're just, no, you're I just mean, can't, you can't pull it off. You're basically going to McDonald's and getting a couple things off the dollar menu for breakfast. And saving and, and maybe getting like a $10 burrito Chipotle's for like late lunch and 
hopefully you don't get hungry. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's just, yeah, nobody should, nobody should be forced to go hungry. That's something that particularly infuriates me, not just in baseball, in just life in general, um, but in, in society. But then when you, when you say like, oh, wow, these are high functioning athletes who should be putting the best stuff in their bodies and clearly they're not. And it's just extremely short-sighted for baseball to be making things worse for all these guys. Yep. It makes it amazing that anyone even makes it. <laughs> yeah. Because there, there, there's so many hurdles. Like, it's a hard game, and, like, the failure rate is so high anyway. But there's exactly. so many hurdles for a player, like, that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You need to be physically gifted enough to do it at even the lowest level to begin with to get drafted or signed as an amateur. You need to be mentally tough enough and you have to have a strong enough drive to think that you can do it coupled with your physical gifts to work your way up the minor league ladder. And then you have to have a combination of all of that that is better than, you know, your, your teammates so that you're the one that gets called up as opposed to some other dude. So, mm. so much working against them. And like you said, who knows how many guys over the years have said, I just can't do this no more. Right. Either literally, like their bodies, you know, something is wrong and they just said, you know, it's better for me to just give this up now. Or just mentally, they just don't want to deal with it anymore. I mean, you could have every year a guy drops out that would have been the next Babe Ruth with a little more instruction and, and whatever. You know, you never know. And and I, I do want to make one final comment, at least for, for my side, and this this is an issue that falls on the owners, but I do also think the players deserve a a modicum of blame given their total refusal to advocate for their minor league counterparts once they get to the majors on yes. any level. Yeah, and, and it, like that's not absolving the owners at all. It's that that's not what I'm trying to do, but the fact that none of them speak up in favor of better conditions and honestly we hear more talk supporting the current uh, conditions thank you mm-hmm. Adam Eaton mm-hmm. um, like that's extremely disheartening as well can I just cut in and say um, Adam Eaton retire bitch yeah yeah <laughs> I'd be I'd be okay with that yes okay it would Sorry. be nice all right uh, if anybody has any questions or comments you can send us to our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLevin91. And Thomas is at SidMetSeason, SDN. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review them. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. Um, and until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.